What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Pentown's Finest Podcast. I am your host, Dante, and welcome back. Um, I'm going to be doing my review of the... Is it the series finale or what? We're going to have to wait and see with the Moon Knight. This is my review of Moon Knight, all six episodes. I don't do episode to episode I just do the whole series all at once because it's only six episodes and if I was going to do episode to episode I want to kind of have a back and forth and kind of like you know do a back and forth with somebody like somebody was on the show or something like that so that's why I do the whole series by myself get my opinions on each episode so Without, without all that talking, let's go on and get started. And I want to address something before I go into this. Well, one of the reasons why this show kind of touched me in a different way is that my aunt, who passed away, may she rest in peace, that um, she was um, paranoid schizophrenic. So seeing this, what, what do they call it? Dissociative identity disorder, having multiple dis- personalities. So it kind of struck me in a different way compared to other people. Um, but having said that and got that out my out the way, kind of let that out there. That's why, I, like, it's trippy because it makes me wonder, and I feel like, is this what people go through who have this disorder? It's very disturbing if they do. And that's one of the things that's kind of trippy about the show, too, is that you have a situation where in the show, you don't know what is actually happening. Like, you don't know if it's all in his head. Is he dreaming this or is it actually happening? And he he can't tell which is which. So it's trippy like that. So in the first episode, you get your introduction of Arthur Farrell. And another thing about this, I don't really know too much about the Moon Knight character as a whole when it comes to the comics. I know bits and pieces of him. I've always been told that he's like Marvel's version of Batman. Some of the stuff that he does, the gadgets that he has. And like in the comics, in, in the comics, it was three personalities. It was Jake Locklear, uh, Stephen Grant, and Mark Spector. Now, Mark Spector was the mercenary one. He was like the hands and the muscle and the the, the, the true vicious combat um, guy, you know. When it came down to just like hand to hand combat, straight on killing, he was that was who he was. And Steve Grant was like the billionaire of the whole thing. He was like the Bruce Wayne. He was the Bruce Wayne of the whole thing, the whole money to the operations. And like Jake Locklear was a cab driver who kind of did like investigative uh what's that um that profession private investigator type work where he would hustle little snitches here and then to get information about what's going on in the city so that's how the personalities worked in the comics now in the show it's a little different and arthur harrow i believe he was a low-level character from what i read and g- gathered up about him in the comics but you know that but he's the main villain of the show big fan of ethan hulk you know you know, if you all can bring on great talent to the show, let's do it. So in the first episode, you are introduced to Stephen Grant. And he's a British. Well, he's British. In this, like in another thing, he wasn't British in the comics. So let's get that out the way. So in this one, he's 
He has a British accent. And he's he's kind of like, I want to say the nerd character, the uncomfortable character, the one who just seems like he doesn't belong in certain places. That's who he is in this show. So you're introduced to him working at this museum, an Egyptian museum. He's very, you know, informative about Egyptian culture and some of the things that happen along, you know, Egyptian culture. So you come across him. You kind of find out he's in a situation like he he set up a date with this girl. Well, he didn't. One of the personalities did. But we'll talk about that later on as we go down in this episode. Is that, you know, he's working at a museum. He calls his mother every day, hoping she's doing all right, things like that. So it's a little twist of that later on, too. And he has this little regiment that he does. He tapes his door shut, locks his door, and straps himself to the bed. So nothing like he I guess he he thinks he sleepwalks or things like that. So or he has bad nightmares or things like that. So and when he looks in the mirror, he always feels like somebody else is there. So during the course of the first episode, you're introduced to him and you see his little regiment. He goes through this and he does this every night when he goes to bed because he, he I guess like he said, he feels like he walks out and sleepwalks and does things he's not supposed to do. And he has this goldfish, right? And this goldfish plays a big part. It reminds me, it doesn't remind me, it's kind of like a nod to, I guess, Finding Nemo. Because the fish only has one fin while in the front. And you know how Nemo had the little shorter one on the front. So, as like, that comes into play. And, like, I don't, I don't know if that's a nod to... I don't know if that's... A nod to Finding Nemo, but I just feel like feel like it is because that's what Nemo had in the animated movie. So, so when it comes down to it, you have you know this goldfish, and it plays a big part later on in the episode. So he's going through his little mental state, and he's having a moment, and he gets to this part in the episode where. He comes up and he sits down at this bench. He sits at this bench with this gold, I mean, bronze statue. Now, in the comics, he was the character. Oh, man. Like, I just had a, like, I've been having this problem lately. I can't remember certain things, like, short term. So, he was a character from the comics that gave him gave him information for the Jake Locklear character. But in here, he's like a, um, like a little statue that he talks to and kind of vents to. Which I think is weird too, because he does this in public and nobody questions that. And like you, you still come around this man and you see him doing this. Just me, because if I see somebody talking to a statue, I'm getting away from that person because I don't know what they're about to do and what they're capable of at that moment. So, and then something along later on in the uh, series, this statue does something rather strange. But they never really. Let's just hold off on that. So you have that and you see um, basically what Arthur Farrell's whole thing is. He's like a cult leader and he's trying to bring out uh, Amit, like the uh, the goddess of um, death. I mean, uh, I may got that wrong, but <laughs> when I get further down in the next episode, you'll, you'll hear more about that. So it's. 
he's like a cult leader in this one, and he uh, judges people. And what happened, he has this little leveler tattooed on his hand, and it's like a um, alligator head as the uh, balancers. And what he does is he judges people. Well, that's what he does. He judges people by touching their hands, and he sees things in them. So when he actually meets um, Stephen Grant, he says there's chaos in him and there's things going on that he don't know. So he's like, what do you mean chaos is in me? And then like you have this scene where Stephen Grant wakes up. His jaw is dislocated. Right. And it's like, you like, what just happened? He goes to bed. Next thing you know, he wakes up with his jaw dislocated. Right. So he snaps it back into place. And next thing you know, he's talking to these guys and they start shooting at him. So as he's running away, this action scene is cool and kind of crazy at the same time. Because what happens is as he's running and trying to save his life from these people, the other personality, Mark Spector, comes out. And it's like this crazy action scene, which kind of it's a bad thing. It's I, I understand the show's premise of what they were doing. But it's kind of like that situation where you would like to see or <clears throat> have a flashback where where he's explaining it and then he's but as he like say like he's explaining it to somebody and he kind of you trying to see what actually happened because that's one of the things about the show that you kind of don't know if you keep watching the show it's a lot of thing it's a lot that goes on and it kind of has you look at it like okay I understand what's going on, but who's actually doing what's going on? That type of thing. So he, like I said, he's running. He's trying to save his life. So what happens is he had these blackout moments, and when he blacks out, he's in a different like scenario where he's still running from these people. But next thing you know, he doesn't kill like four different people, but he don't know what happened. So then, whenever he's kind of like backed into a corner, he blacks out. And that's kind of like the cool part and the not so cool part, in my opinion, because it's cool to see, oh, he blacks out. He don't know what just happened, but you don't see what happened either. And that's the bad. That's like one of the bad parts, because if Moon Knight's supposed to be this real brutal character, you want to see him being brutal. Like, that's one of my gripes I had with the Batman. It wasn't that he wasn't brutal. It's just the sound effects that they used it didn't come off as a brutal thing. You know what I mean? Where certain sound effects will make it sound like, damn, he sound like he really just cracked something. You know what I mean? It kind of gives you that impression like, wow, he's really hitting him as hard as he can. That's like my thing with the Batman. But with this, he's supposed to be that, but you don't see it. Like, <clears throat> in one uh, in one scene, he's being attacked by like four people. He blacks out. Next thing you know, they all bl- his hand is bloody. And they're all knocked out, bleeding and bloody. But like I said, you don't see it. You just he just snaps out of it. Next thing you know, he um, is like <laughs> he's like knocked them all out and wondering what's going on. So that's when I and then later on in that scene, he gets in the ice cream no cupcake truck. Right, he's being attacked and being shot at, and like he, once again he blacks out, but you don't see what happens, and it's like. That's one of like the negatives about it for me. Like I want to see how much of a badass he was. You know what I mean? Because 
It gives you that, like, okay, I see what I'm in for. This boy don't play. He's he's vicious. He's brutal. So it kind of gives you that impression, like, all right, I'm I, I'm I'm locked in because I see he ain't nothing to be messed with. But you don't ever see this, and that's like the downfall of it for me, in my opinion. Sometimes I like to see the action because I guess I've always been a big fan of hand to hand combat. So I like to see that on the screen. So. When it comes to bloody hand-to-hand combat type of action sequences, I want to see it. Like I, I like seeing action se- action sequences all together, but hand-to-hand, I'm a big fan of hand-to-hand fight. I just like a regular old fist fight. That's just me. So as the episode goes on, like I said, he's running. He's, they figuring out who he is. But then the cool part about it, you hear the voice of Kanju. <laughs> and I, I think his name is F. Murray... Abraham, right? I forgot I seen him in this movie years ago called 13 Ghosts. He was like the little villain of the show. Not the show, the movie. And then like once I seen that and looked him up and then go back, I said, oh, that was his voice. And like, I don't know if it's a such thing as a perfect casting as a voice actor, but I thought that voice went perfect for what Kanju looks like and what it sounded at the time. And, like, I thought his voice went with that character perfectly. And then, like, a situation happens later on in, that, in the first episode where he comes home. He noticed that the fish has two fins instead of just one. So he goes back and forth. He don't know what's going on. And then the woman told him that he returned it and got a new one. But he don't remember doing it. So you kind of have a bunch of these moments during the course of the episode. And like I said, he had set up a date. Well, he didn't set up a date. Somebody set up a date for him. And he don't realize it. And he's calling the girl. Next thing you know, he done missed three days. Right. And it's all in the first episode. And that's what's crazy about it. And that's what makes me like wonder people who suffer from like um, paranoid schizophrenia or, or DID. Do they really like black out and miss two to three days? That's kind of trippy, in my opinion. And like. He's. This is the funny part. Stephen Grant is a vegan. Mark Spector is he eats meat. So <laughs> he went on a date with this girl, right? And at a steak place. Well, he the, the date was for a steak place. So when he calls her, find out it's two days later. He's tripping. So he said he had a steak, and you know. He just said, look, it is what it is. So when he finds this package in his apartment later on in the episode, it's uh, somebody's been calling it from a woman named Layla. Now, somebody said, I've watched a couple of videos when you do. They said it was a mixture of the girl he was involved with and somebody else. So and the show was Layla. And that's basically it's Mark Spector's wife, his second personality's wife. So and like. He pick, he picks up the phone. He calls it, and she called him like a bunch of times. And she once he gets through with her, he's like, "Why are you calling me, Mark?" And she has the accent. She's looking for him, but he, like I said, Stephen Grant doesn't realize he has a split personality. He thinks he's the only one. So as the episode goes on, you start to see a little supernatural type things, and that's what I think this show will do when it comes to if, if Marvel does this. I do believe that Marvel's going to do a supernatural type of team and I think Moon Knight is going to be a part of that now like I said well I didn't say like like I'm saying now 
in the comics, there was three personalities and Moon Knight was another one, right? And they kind of like, like I said, Stephen Grant at the time was like the, the um, Bruce Wayne of the whole thing. And, and and then he had another, you know, persona as Mr. Knight, which we'll play later on in the show. But here's the thing about the whole, this show, like how they put it together. And to me, super, um, Supernatural, Moon Knight is going to be more of a supernatural type of character. But, you know, other things, and it ain't going to be like a personality of the other personalities. And like... That's the kind of feel I get from it. So when you see in one scene, like Mark is like having a moment where he's talking with his old lady on the elevator that you've seen in the trailers, he snaps. And when he snaps out of it, he wakes up on the bus. That's Like I said, that's the trippy part of the show. So as the episode goes on, he comes across Arthur Farrell. He was like, You're, you have chaos in you. So then you see the other personality when he gets to the museum, what happens is he's under attack at, well, he's not under attack. He's being pursued by a group of um, Arthur Farrow's cult followers, right? So then once he gets in there, he runs and he's back into a corner of this supernatural, um, what do they call those things? Um, not a ratcher. Um, Oh, I can't like it was just on the tip of my tongue. Let me see if I can find it in my notes anywhere. Um, jackal, a jackal, right? <laughs> Sorry about that, jackal. So he's being pursued by the, a jackal, right? So then you see the other personality comes out. He tells Stephen, like, look, let me take control and I can save us. If you if you keep control, I can't save us. So then. You'll get your first introduction of what Moon Knight looks like. He looks like a mummified type of a character. But I guess that just worked for the show. Because like the one I've seen in the animated series with uh, the Spider-Man. Was, I think it was Spider-Man. I like that look. It was like a black and white suit mixed together. So I was hoping they'd do something like that. Maybe put the next suit or whatever they do. But you see him come out. You see the runes on the wall of... The transformation of what happens. So then you just see this jackal trying to escape and Moon Knight ain't having it. Next thing you know, he's just beating him down. So when the trailer first came out, a lot of, a lot of people thought that was Werewolf by night. Which even I would have thought that too when you've seen it like from a distance. So the episode ends when he walks into the camera. So that was a scene from the trailer that was kind of like, okay, we get it. All right, we introduced the Moon Knight. So in the second episode, Layla comes into play, right? She comes, she's looking for Mark, and next thing you know, she come across Stephen. And she's, like, wondering, like, why he's talking with his accent. And, you know, when it comes to Stephen, he, like I said, he doesn't realize he has a split personality. And later on in the episode, he tries to convince his bosses and people at the job what happened. And all you see is him running in the footage because what happens is since it's a supernatural being you can't like the average person can't see them people who have I guess certain type of powers can see them that's what I'm guessing I mean they don't really explain that but so you see Mark walk into the camera look up at it and then they realize he thinking 
He tore the bathroom up, which I don't understand how somebody tear a bathroom the way up. Okay, but whatever. So they kind of fire him. He gets, loses his job. He hands his badge and everything else. So then he goes to this like storage locker. And it's like, I've never seen these before, but I guess these are like a thing in other places. And it seemed like somebody can live in a storage unit if they needed to. You know, I guess you backed into a corner and you need this place to stay. So then Mark and Steven actually have a conversation. He started to see things that he didn't ever knew was basically at his out of um, reach of an arm's length for access to this stuff. So he had a cot, a couple of storage bins with a whole bunch of information, uh, Egyptian rune books and things like that. All this stuff is in this storage, whatever locker this is. I don't like a storage living locker. I don't know what they call it. But, like, it's a cot in there and everything. Like, it's big enough for somebody to live in there for a little stint. If they get, you know, you ain't got a place to stay. You need to stay up in the uh, your storage locker bin, whatever. Yeah, you could do that. So he started asking Mark questions. He's like, what are you? Who are you? He said, I'm, he's like, I serve Kanshu. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Kanshu's avatar. <laughs> And like Harry Avatar and the movie's about to come out this year and all this other stuff. So they start to have a more of a conversation, more back and forth. And I like what Isaac Oscar Isaac did with the character to differentiate two because one had an accent, the other one had an American accent. So it, that lets you know it's two different people because sometimes it's, it's I think it's non-convincing when. You're trying to tell somebody these are two different people, but they got the same voice and you just moving differently when it comes to the other one. So with this one, what he does is he moved completely differently and has a different accent to kind of differentiate too. So that made it work for me. And he started to find out that, you know, he's serving an Egyptian God and it has this creepy, like I said, supernatural moments where he's running through the storage locker and like you see Contra and it looked like Contra was about nine feet tall. That's like, the like, I wouldn't say the average. That's like the most common use of height they like to use for when it comes to these supernatural beings. Like the Incredible Hulk character, that CGI. He's nine feet tall. Ultron in the Age of Ultron movie, he was nine feet tall. Um, I believe Thanos was like nine feet tall. Kanshu look about nine feet tall. And I get that because you want to kind of have these menacing type of characters feel and look menacing on screen. Because, like, when you see the Incredible Hulk moving, you see, like, the dude steps to the Incredible Hulk, and you, he's looking up at him. He's, like, nine feet tall. That's the kind of menacing feel that they're trying to, like, pull off, so I get that. And Kanshu with this beak-looking thing, or whatever he, like, I don't understand the shape or objects or whatever they try to make him look like. But in the comics, I think he looks cool with the suit on. I do. I think he looks cool with that suit on. But in this, he has, like, these Egyptian rags on and I guess you know to go with the character since it's from Egypt and all this other stuff the Egyptian so that's um, you know part of the character like I said and then he comes across Layla and you know he doesn't realize who she is and he thinks she's talking crazy and you see Mark trying to push her away and get a divorce so he that's how he wants to protect her but I do like the dynamic they did where you have, um, about to say Simon, Steve talking in one 
aspect of the show where he's talking to Leda and you look in the mirror, you see Mark trying to tell him not to do this because he just wants to protect her. And you see that dynamic and that back and forth of it really hurts Mark what he's doing because he do, he feel like he's doing what's best for her. And Steve is like, no, I would never do that. I want you around. And then she doesn't realize she think he's he's doing the act, not realizing like he's really has two personalities. She just never knew this. Well, I don't know if she never knew this, but it may have been some time where he done things differently. And this whole thing is about a scarab that will guide them to Amit's tomb. But this scarab reminds me of the first mummy, right? And I kind of laughed when I looked at it because it made me, it was this one particular scene in the first mummy. Dude was picking the things off the wall and he did this pose and thing he did. I thought it's like hilarious. And whenever I seen it, I was starting to think about that right from the rip. So that's what made it hilariously funny when I seen it. And uh, so after him and later having this conversation, these two people posing as cops come and get him and take him to Arthur Farrell. So once he gets there, Kanshu, <laughs> Kanshu was like, break him, break his windpipe. Like he's telling him to commit violence towards him, but he's not because he's trying to figure out what's really going on. He wanted some answers. And Arthur Fair basically told him like, yeah, he said, what does Kanshu say? He tells you to kill me. And like you see this dynamic of he said he used to be Kanshu's avatar before. So now he's like, I guess he's worshiping Amit now. And I don't really know, but it's one of those type of situations where it's something happened, but they don't really explain it. He just goes because basically what Kanshu whole thing is, he's he wants an avatar to invoke vengeance on people who deserve it. So if you're a bad person, he wants to punish the people that's bad. That sounds relatively familiar to something. Um, kind of like the Punisher, right? Where the Punisher said he has to punish the corrupt. Right. So that's what Kanshu Avatar does. Give vengeance. He puts vengeance on people who deserve it. So, okay. Same premise, but I get it's a little different twist on it. So he starts to meet these little town people that follow basically Arthur Farrell. And he's giving them information. He's learning more and more about what's actually going on, what's happening. So, during that scene, he summons a jackal to the to the ground. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you think that it's a meaning in the Marvel Universe, right? Let's say, I'm just asking if you think it's a meaning to this. When it comes to people who are evil, they kind of have purple magic, right? Like in uh, WandaVision, you had the Scarlet Witch, right? She had her power was red, right? We all know she was always red in the comics, so her power was red. But Agatha Harkness was purple, and she used the dark hole, and her, her power was purple. Now, I recently watched Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Stay tuned for that review. And... The, the one in the trailer that you, it's all out there now but 
the sinister strange as they call him or whatever he's supposed to be the evil Doctor strange his power was purple too and I, um arthur farrell's power is purple as well so you think is this like an evil person thing where all the people that's evil they power is purple and if you're a hero it's purple i wouldn't say purple like it's probably orange like doctor strange or green he did he did some green powers he did some type of spell in there he did some green power so do you think that's a thing in the marvel universe or that's just a pop, a color that they go with that just works i don't know so he summons another jackal anthony so then as the episode was second this is right now i'm on the second episode i'm sorry about that if i didn't say and then as he's getting chased by the jackal and he falls you hear Kanshu tell him to summon a suit. So when he summons the suit, it's the Mr. Knight persona. So that's what I kind of like what they did. That was different. Like I said, I don't never really read the comics because they say it's so many different variations of this comic. And depending on who writes them, you, who knows what kind of storyline you're going to get. But in the show, what they did was Stephen Grant's character of the suit is a man in a suit with the hood on his face, right? So that's his version of what the suit would look like if he summons the suit. When Mark does it, it's the Moon Knight persona look, you know, with the hell, with the hood on, the cape, things like that. So I kind of like that because I thought it got it would have got real confusing in my opinion if you had like five different personalities and you're trying to give time to all these personalities and just to, like in trying to make it make sense when it's too when it becomes too many like the three personalities the main man personalities like Jake Lockley Stephen Grant Mark Spector I, we can understand that but when you start to have those three and then you have a different one with the suit on then a different one with the moon like it started to be too confusing so I like how they put that and they play that into so you see Steve Grant talking trash to the jackal, but nobody can see him. But he can see him because it's like a supernatural being because he's a servant of country. So he can see supernatural beings and he has super strength. I didn't know that was one of his powers. Well, hold on. Let me rephrase that. From what I understand. He depending on who writes him, he has super strength and things like that. Endurance, you know, speed, agility, all that type of stuff. Now, in the old comics, he was just basically a regular person who was just really skilled at fighting. It just didn't have no powers. But now he has powers and things. Depending on, like I said, depending on who writes him. So you see Steve Grant talking trash. You know, I'm old school. I don't mind a good fight. So he's talking trash and the jackal can't be seen. You see him tossing him and laying around like a rag doll. So then it's this, it's this another cool scene. I always I want to like I want to know how they do these type of scenes. It's the scene where he's he, he slammed into the bus and he's like talking to Mark. Mark was like, are you done? You going to let me take over now? You had enough? And then he said, yeah, take over. Then he kind of like looks up and then the Moon Knight suit comes on and then he takes him away from everybody and runs and like a cool scene. And this is where we only get in like Moon Knight for about maybe. Oh, he got him for a good amount of time. We got the Mr. Knight persona for a good a good amount of time. But that's when the Moon Knight character didn't really come out as much in the beginning. You've seen him, got a little excited, but they didn't overdo it. 
So when it came down to it, he's running from the jackal, runs, takes him down. And then he has an emotional breakdown scene with uh, Steve, where some people were saying there was it may have been some meaning to this. I'm not sure, but there's a scene in that scene as he's talking to Kanju, the um, mirror has this triangular shape. So they're trying to say maybe that's a reference towards the pyramid of Egypt and things like that. So possible, you know, little, little hints and pieces like that, that gives you a heads up about like the references in the show, little things like that. And I don't know if it was, but it's possible. But the dynamic between those two and like the emotional breakdown that they're having it's taking a toll on both of them, right? So it gets to the point where Kanshu likes Mark Spector because he's more of a mercenary, right? And he refers to Steve as the idiot. Like he said, oh man, the idiot's back. And like at the end of the second episode, nobody really talked about this or mentioned anything, but some people did, some people didn't. But when you get to the end, you see this mirror and it's broken. And you see, I guess, the Stephen Grant character kind of like wondering what's going on. And then you see Mark on the floor. And this is where a lot of people thought the third personality was going to come out, Jake Lockley. But that didn't happen. That basically was like Mark knew where he was going, came here to Egypt. And then they go into, you know, they try to get to the tomb before Pharaoh does. So in the third episode, that's what I'm on now. When we get to the third episode, Mark is like really trying to beat them to the punch before they release Ahmed on the world. And once we start the third episode, we see Arthur Farrell with the uh, the scarab. Now, the scarab was lost when um, Layla had it because she was running. And she as they were being chased by that jackal, she couldn't see it, but Mark could. Now, Mark, Steve could. She dropped it. And... No, I'm sorry. Mark dropped it. Right. He dropped it. Arthur Farrell comes up with it. No, no. this dude finds it. Then Arthur Farrell kills him by touching his hand and draining the life force out of him. He takes control to find it. Um, So, as we get, like I said, we're in the third episode. So, there's this scene where Mark is fighting these guys. Here's the thing. As he's fighting these guys and they're trying to kill him, he blacks out. And he's talking to Steve and he's seeing him in reflections. He's like, what's going on? And like, even Mark was like, I thought this, he said, this wasn't you. So they, even Mark didn't know there's another personality, right? And like, everybody after that knew the third personality was out there, but they just played, like the comic book fans knew it, but you know, the average person that don't know this stuff didn't realize, wondering what was going on. So, and like, he, this dude is brutal. Like, and you see Marcus fighting, holding his own, but then he blacks out and it's not, he don't go to Steve. He just blacks out. He has, he's looking at Steve like, oh, did you do this? He was like, no, I thought this was you. So that's when you kind of realize it's the third personality, right? So as time goes on, 
as he's holding his own, like I said, he's holding his own, but he's looking kind of like weak at some points. And that's one of my issues with with Marvel characters. I get it. You want to make these characters more humanized, more relatable, things like that. But the inconsistencies of the um, the power that some of these people have, like Thor. I've always been a fan of, fan, a fan of Thor. One of my issues with the movie character is he's so underpowered. Now, in the comics, he's like the top five strongest in the whole Marvel Universe. But he's so powered down. I, I understand. Like I said, you want to make him very relatable. Give him a little superpower, but not make him overpowered. So I kind of get it. Because same thing with the Hulk. Like in the Incredible Hulk movie, him and Abomination went at it. And we all know the matter he gets, the stronger he gets. But when he fought Thanos, it looked like a ragdoll. Like it, that's what made me upset because in the comics, the reason why Thanos doesn't like fighting Hulk because it's the Hulk just has so much energy. And like I said, when the, strong, the angry he gets, the stronger he gets, he gets to the point where he just gets tired of fighting him because he's just a, like a, a engine that keeps going. He doesn't stop. So when he like that scene in, in Infinity War, he kind of like had this couple shots and then got like tossed like a rag doll. And then he didn't come back out. And I'm just like, what's going on with these characters? But I get it. They don't want to overpower him. And then you just kind of have this repetitive nature of heroes just getting trash like that. But ah, look, I, it's just disappointing because for me, I just feel like if you're going to make a scene that way just make the best scene that you can and if he overthink he overthinks him and just like use a technique that he didn't see coming all right i get that but like he just gets worn out and get trashed like that just me but and during the course of the third episode of la moon like i was saying you start to see mark black out and you starting to wonder like what's going on and we like the fans knew that was the third personality but they never really go into it and during the course of the uh that fight scene mark looked at like i said he looked kind of weak and he having a hard time with these dudes these don't look like real hand-in-hand combatants that can really give him some work now it was this kid that you know he had pinned up as ready and questioned him but he killed himself. Some people felt some type of way about that because they tied at least like foreign countries, these foreign countries where these guys feel like they'll rather die before they do things like that. But that's here. That's everywhere. Depending on the situation, somebody would rather kill themselves than either do time in jail or commit a crime in their opinion or get something worse from somebody else. And Kanshu and that, like I said, that cool look Kanshu had. But we got more of Mark in this episode. So as the explorer goes on, they have this so-called meeting in the t- in the tomb and in, the, in the, uh, one of the pyramids. And all the Egyptian guys were there, but they well, they wasn't there. Their avatars was there. And okay, here's my thing. Like at this point I was kind of wondering like what was going on are we going to see the actual Egyptian gods we do not we get the avatars and they talk through and 
kind of the interesting thing about this scene is where Kanju takes over Mark's body and talks at the um, guest conference while he's basically telling them what Arthur Farrell was trying to do and they don't want to believe him. And they kind of have a like judgment moment and they don't want to believe what Kanju was actually saying about him trying to release Amin on the world. And the Egyptian gods just really don't trust Kanshu. So they're having this back and forth with him. And they kind of like don't trust what he says, but they don't want to believe him. Because Arthur Farrow is coming off a little more, more convincing because of the avatar that he's using has split personalities. And, he's ta- and they feel like he's taking advantage of this guy. And when you see the scene, it comes off that way too. It plays out very well. It was well written in my opinion. When it comes to the scene, as Kanju trying to project himself through Mark and explain to them what's going on. And once Arthur Farrow kind of convinced them and tells them, well, he's only doing this because the avatar he's using is unstable. He's not really suited for this conference that we have. And I kind of like Oscar Isaac acting. Because he plays two different characters as far as Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. So then he has to kind of play off this Kanchu character, like trying to project himself through him. And you kind of buy it, in my opinion, of him coming off that way, which was cool. And then Mark is pulled to the side by this this, um, woman avatar. And this is like, she's like the god of... um, Oh man, what was it? Damn. I gotta look at my notes. The woman's name is Kyan. So, here's the thing I find interesting too in this show, and I, I, I heard this reference, but I was just wondering like, are these actually real things? I guess it is. The Magi. Now, I went back and watched the Mummy movie back in the day, and the Magi was the protector of the, uh, what, what was that? Oh, man, I forgot the name of that place in the mummy. What was it called? What was the name of that place called in the mummy movie? Well, basically, it was protector of the tomb of the, um, the mummy back then. And she mentions the Magi, so I actually are, because she, t- she sends him on a quest to go see the tomb of where he, this other guy's tomb was buried and nobody knew where it was. Even the gods didn't know. So she puts him on a quest to go there. And as the episode goes on, Mark and Layla start to, you know, rekindle things, talk. And he explains to them what's going on. And they have this scene that's kind of strange and funny at the same time that they're at a, like a... Uh, a duel thing from like medieval times where they ride horses and use javelins. It kind of gives me that Hawkeye, that Renaissance thing scene. It kind of gave me those, but that's where we get a real good glimpse of Moon Knight and like his power set, right? Because Arthur comes up to this place and they find a tomb and Arthur destroys the tomb. So then we kind of go into this big battle with um, Arthur Farrell and his guys. 
Now, in that episode, it was the guy who, who got killed during a ski accident. I don't know how to say his name, but they dedicate the episode to him, and that's, that's what they should have done. Like, But I didn't know he was only in this one episode. I don't know if he was cut out the re- I don't think he was cut out the rest, but I could be wrong. But he died in a skiing accident, and that was the sad part. And uh, So they dedicate this episode to him, and he's kind of like the little... I guess the so-called bad guy in this one. Not a bad guy, but kind of like the, you know, lower tier guy. And he kind of reminded me of somebody, but I can't quite pinpoint who he was. He kind of gives me that guy from uh, The Hobbit, not The Hobbit, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh... Not the one that played Peregrine Took, the other one, Mary, right? He gives me him, like, he kind of gets, like, he comes off as him. Like, I, I kind of look, when I look at it, I think of him. So, in, uh, one of the scenes I thought was cool, right? And we got to see, like I said, we seen more of Moon Knight, of how they would switch between, like, he's fighting, next thing you know, he said, give me the body, Mark, give me the body. And <laughs> he gives him the body. And he goes into, like, the Mr. Knight persona. He's getting stabbed. What I see, like, that's why I feel like... I think this is this um, character is going to play a big part in, like, Blade and Werewolf by Night. Is that I think... Like I said, they made him more of a supernatural character to kind of blend in with Blade. And I think... Uh, Dane Whitman's, you know, character from Eternals is going to be like a part of that too. He, when he comes to Black Knight with the Black, uh, Ebony Blade, and like I said in this show, you you see the fact that the the suit heals him. I don't think it, I don't. I'm not sure, but I don't think it ever did that in the comics. But like I said, depending on who writes him, who's changing things up, you can see that now. So it works for the show like I said that's why I said he's more of a supernatural character now and and what's funny is they get to this point in the episode where Mark needs Steven's help because it's some Egyptian he can't read but Steven knows how to read which is weird to me you got the weird guy who knows a lot about Egyptian culture and writings and things like that and so then you got Mark who got saved by an Egyptian god, but doesn't know how to read certain e- Egyptian writings. Strange, right? But you know what I mean? They're the same person, but they, it's just weird how they play that off. And and then the, the scene happens, right? And when this, what happens is Kanshu helps Steve find this uh, time, point in time to help them locate this tomb that they're looking for. So when Kanshu helped Steve find his tomb and he said, does what I do what I do. He gets encased in stone. Right. And, you know, Arthur Farrell was like, you did this to yourself. Kanshu. They go, he don't, they don't go back in time. They go back and they go, hold on. Let me say this the right way. They have this scene where, Kanshu and Steve and his avatar of the Moon Knight costume of Mr. Knight, 
they make the stars go back in time 2,000 years so they can kind of have this, so they can locate um, this tomb. So he, they, he, he helps them turn back time to set up the stars so they can line everything up so they can find the tomb. So what happens is he gets encased in stone, and now he's encased in stone, and we're on to episode number four, which is interesting, right? They find this tomb, but the tomb was of the great Alexander, Alexander the Great. Which I don't, like I said, I don't know much about Egyptian culture or stuff like that. I don't know if this is actually true for anything like that, but that's the spin they put on. And I kind of like where this went, kind of. And like I said, he gets, Kanshu gets encased in stone. And they put him on this little display where they encase the gods or whatever. What is it? This encasing reminds me of something, but I just can't really quite put my finger on it. So in episode four, you got a lot of exploration in this one. Like you, they explore a lot, they gather a lot of information. Um, like I said, when they come to find, it's the tomb of Alexander the Great. And I want to ask you guys this question. There's a scene where Steve kisses Layla, right? <laughs> Then something happens and he gets punched in the face. Do some of y'all believe that was Jake or do you some of y'all believe that was Mark? I believe it was Mark because Mark is the one that's married to her. But some people thought it may have been Jake Lockley that did that. But. OK, whatever. And. Also was kind of trippy that Arthur Farrell let to be known what happened to her father. Now, the origin story of Mark Spector, what happened was he was on a mission, um, mercenary mission, right? And he was working with Bushmaster. And Bushmaster double-crossed him, killed everybody there, and he crawls into the uh, the tomb of Khonshu and becomes Khonshu's avatar, Moon Knight. So when this one, in the, well, in the show, they kind of play into that as well. And basically it's the same origin story for him. And then as the uh, what's trippy about it is that after all this is done, Arthur Farrell puts it out there to Layla that your father was killed by your husband. You know, all these other things that she wanted to know. She wants to answer for what happened to her father. And during the course of that, Mark gets shot and killed, we guess, right? But when he wakes up or whatever happens, he ends up in a mental hospital. And like everybody who's been in the show so far have, is, is one of the patients. That was pointed out later on. Somebody was like, well, this is the woman that he asked out on the date. When I look back at it, I was like, trippy. All right, cool. So and like I said, I don't know. Is this real? Like, is this the actual place? Is he in between heaven and earth? Or in the astral plane? And this is the, the, you know, his interpretation of it? Don't know. It's just, you can tell he wakes up drugged up. 
because Layla's in there and she's actually actually like one of the patients as well. And he's talking to Arthur and like Arthur's trying to get some information out of him. And like you see that that he's unstable. Mark character is. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to get Steven to come out so he can talk to him. And like when I first seen the scene, I was kind of like disturbed by like, is this an actual mental hospital? Was it someplace else? And like as him and Mark are having this conversation and he's trying to get like info from him, then it really gets trippy. Then it's like there's a scene where he gets away, knock these people out. Right. He come across his tomb and when he opens the tomb, it's Steve. So Steve and Mark are two different people. And they kind of like hug it out and they look like twins. Right. And look like twins. So and then you come across this one tomb that was red. A lot of people felt as though this is Jake Lockley's characters locked in and he didn't know who that was. Understandable. Get it. Because, like I said, I don't know if he's at this time. We don't know if he's dead or not. Right. So then, like, as the um, the episode goes, it's just trippy. Like I said, he comes across Mark's, you know, Mark come across Steven and they like try to get out. And I was like, what is actually happening? Like when I watched the show for the first time, I'm like, what is happening? Are we actually in this or this is a dream? So we don't know if he actually died, he's in a dream or what. But at this time, you kind of like wonder what's going on. And then you see the two personalities kind of interact with each other, looking face to face. And they hug each other. And he was like, oh, snap, this is really starting to get trippy. Right. And that's what I mean by how, this show, how trippy this show actually is. So when we come to the end of the episode four, there's this giant hippo goddess, right? And she's the god of earth, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm trying to think of the voice that voices her and like what it remind me of. She does come off as a very sweet hippo. <laughs> like she, she comes off very sweet in my opinion. <laughs> she does come off as like a sweet person. Like even I probably be like that. So you get more of this mental hospital. And then I did notice in this episode when Mark was speaking, he kind of spoke with this New York accent, as they say. But you could tell it was clearly a different type of accent. And like, okay, I was trying to see like, is this the uh, the third personality? But as the episode goes on, you don't really get that. They don't really confirm that in any way. And so the CG on her was very convincing. Like, you know, some CG, you'd be like, yeah, that's a little spotty, right? But Look, let's be honest here. We know she's not real, but when it comes to special effects, you want it at least convincing enough that you could like, 
yeah, I could really see that. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like my thing with special effects. I want to be to the point where it looks convincing enough. Like one of my things with um, like Captain America Civil War, like we know Giant Man wasn't real. But on that screen, it looked like you can touch him. And that's what I, I want with special effects. I want to be looking like I can actually touch this person. And for real, for real, there actually is a person there with this suit on and just, you know, CG is implied during post. But the CG looks enough where you can actually, you look like this is an actual hippo talking. And basically, she's like trying to guide him to find his peace because he's not complete. So he comes to find out that he actually did die. And his soul is not complete because if it's not complete, it'll get taken down to the underworld where he's be tortured, where he doesn't they don't he doesn't want to go to that, you know, that version of. And it was kind of trippy because it was on a boat floating on sand. It kind of remind me of Soul, the uh, Pixar movie where they was on a boat in the sand, similar to that. So you can see the, you know, cross crossover Disney at his best I guess so you have this way thing and it's like you have the two hearts and a piece of whatever right they're two hearts so they try to they have to clear it up before they can pass on to the I guess the heaven version of the Egyptian gods right so as the episode goes on you start to find out more and more like what actually happened for this situation that uh, that has been presented. Like Mark is the main character. And what happens is you find out that he killed his brother. And he felt so much guilt for it. And his mother hated him for it. So she blames him the most. So what happened was he developed another personality to kind of cope with the pain that what's going on. You know what I mean? So he kind of you start to see this story unfold and how him and his father got distance from each other because he didn't want to deal with his mom. And like, you see Mark having like real mental breakdowns and what happened was his mother used to beat on him. So he developed this other personality, Steve, to cope with it and kind of erase what was going on. And it's really like, disturbing because I don't know if that's the case with people with this type of disorder. Is it a mental thing that happens at a young age or this is like trauma that happens that causes people to kind of develop this personality to kind of escape the pain that they're going through. So that's the trippy part about it because like I said, my aunt who was paranoid schizophrenic where she if she didn't take her medication, she would become very irate, loud, vulgar towards us and then be saying things that just didn't make sense coherent wasn't really there but whenever she took her medication she was always level so I don't know like if she dealt with something similar or was she went through some trauma or anything along those lines that made this happen but it's disturbing to see if like if that's what happens with people and then like in the fifth episode also you see this scene where there's a bunch of dead people in there and Steve looks at Mark like all your work you killed all these people 
He was like, most of them, but they deserved it. And like, that's disturbing as well. To see like all the people you kill. So they figure during the course of this, once he kind of addressed these things that happened to him, maybe it's a balance, his little balancer of life. I guess we want to call it that. So you see the origins of Mark Spector becoming Moon Knight. Basically, it's right out the comics. He was double crossed by Bushmaster, got shot, almost died, and then the uh, the country, the Moon God country comes out and saves him and makes him my avatar. And then he actually says it: "Be my Moon Knight. <laughs> Be my Moon Knight." So you see the origins of Mark Spector becoming Moon Knight. And basically, this suit gives him healing abilities. Like I said, I don't think it was like that when the comic first came out, but as time went on, I guess, making more of a supernatural being, that's one of the abilities that the suit gives him. Healing powers. And then we come to another point where Arthur Farrell is trying to get so much information out. So he finally gets Steve, that person out, personality out to talk to him. And, you know, Steve is starting to catch on to what's going on. And they just, you know, he ain't trying to hear none of that what he's saying. So once we come to the conclusion of that, we get to this point in the episode where you see... Mark being attacked by these spirits that he's killed. Which was strange because they didn't come at Steve at all. They just came straight at Mark. So so it's basically Mark's spirit. That's I don't look, I don't know. But trying to sometimes make sense of some of this stuff made, you know, really had your head twisting. So as the fight goes on, Steve comes to help and they get down there, they get down and dirty, right? They knock these guys out. You see Steve starting to put in some work. But, like, if he would have fell off the boat, he would have been, I guess, turned to stone or whatever in that scene. But what happens is Steve gets knocked over and tossed over to the other side of the boat. He becomes hard, and that's when his life balancer balances out. And then you kind of figure that all he, uh, because... Mark made this personality up, so he had to kind of get rid of it to move on to the next part of the afterlife. So when we seen that, we was like, oh, snap. So he had to do that. So then as that goes on, then we get into the final episode. Here's my gripe with. I can't I can't say it's a gripe, but it's more of a some people I don't understand. They complain about these Disney Plus shows and how some episodes are longer than the others and some episodes are shorter than the others. If the episode accomplished what it's supposed to accomplish as far as getting the story and the narrative to a point, to a finishing point that actually, you know, works with the, you know, the cohesion of the story. What's the problem? How long it is if it actually executes what it's supposed to execute? But depending on who you ask, like. There was a big gripe about Doctor Strange only being two hours and six minutes. Now, the actual movie, this is me. This is what I go by. When it comes to a movie's runtime, 
if a movie can be long, two hours and 20 minutes, and they don't feel like I watched a two hour and 20 minute movie, I'm cool with that. You don't need a longer movie to get your narrative out there and done efficiently if it executes the points you wanted to execute. So, like a lot of people had a, a problem with the movie being two hours and six minutes. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the, the movie's probably, the actual movie is probably one hour and 55 minutes, right? They have to give 10 minutes to the end credits, the um, post-credit, mid-credit, those type of things. I don't add that as part of the movie. That's just me. But in the final episode of the show, as he becomes a bowling singer, he goes over to save his Steve personality, and then he realizes how much of importance he is to him. Which, okay. <laughs> one of these, like, okay. It's one of those type of narratives in the story where you just gotta go with. So Arthur Farrell releases Amit. And she was very convincing as well as far as the CG. And you gotta remember, like, these are animal looking, you know, CG characters that's talking. And she has that little s to her talk. And I was like, oh, snap. And they really put something like that in there to kind of justify, like, how the mouth is and how the words would come out of an alligator, <laughs> I guess, type mouth. So Ahmed is helping her feed the souls and making her grow to this, like, 60-foot look. So Mark comes back to, you know, his living body, becomes Moon Knight and heals him up. So he kind of, you know, cheats death. So then you have this giant 60-foot Conchu and Amit fight. Then you have Arthur Farrell and uh, Moon Knight fight, right? Found it hilariously funny, right? You got the the big avatars. You got the Power Rangers fighting the little guys, whatever you want to call it. Didn't seem too cheesy to me because you can really lose it with that type of special effects. And how cheesiness it can come off in some type of way. But in this case, it wasn't too cheesy where you was like, yeah, this ain't working for me. So, like I said, when Arthur kind of releases Amit, he kind of destroys the tomb. Well, not the tomb, the pyramid. And then Layla becomes the avatar of the hippo woman. You know, the goddess of... uh care and she kind of has this like falcon type of costume with swords she gets wings and see the thing is like her look is how falcon looks in the actual comic book like his wings would come out like you know through his underarms and all this other stuff and he kind of have like his arms would be like wings and that's where I when I looked at it I was like why that remind me of something? Then I look, remember it was actually the Falcon costume in the comics. Like that's in the cartoon too. That's how it came off. It worked. Now here's the thing. I don't know if this is actually happening or this is something new. Moon Knight was flying in this episode. I don't see anybody. Let me know. Is is that something new? He can fly. Cause didn't know he can fly. But like I said, this is a supernatural version of the character. So I can see 
somewhat of the changes that they're making. So this is something new. I never knew he did this before, but if anybody seen him do this in the comments before, let me know in your review. But yeah, and then you see Arthur Farrow and Moon Knight going at it, you know. But then it happens again. Moon Knight is getting trashed, right? By Arthur Farrell. And he has the staff on his chest. And he's, I don't know if he's sucking the power out of him or trying to kill him with the power or whatever. But then he blacks out. Mark Spector blacks out again. And then later looks at him like, what was that? Next thing you know, you just see him on top of Arthur with the staff about to kill him or whatever. So, and what's trippy is like, I think the way they've done this whole thing of keeping Jake Lockley kind of hidden and have you guessing to the very end, which you do. And I try to, when I look at a show or a movie, I'll look at it for what it is. We all know what they did in the comics is not what they're doing in the movies and the TV shows. So that's one of my gripes I have with people when they say, well, they don't, this didn't happen in the comics. This didn't happen in the comics. Oh, we all know that didn't happen. Stop comparing the two because we clearly see that Kevin finally take bits and pieces of the comics and make it into a cohesive story that works on screen. What works in the comic works on the screens are two totally different things. That's why people need to understand. Stop holding the comics to the standard and making it feel like, oh, he 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 does comics accurate. I will say this. He does do comic accurate looks when it comes to his superheroes or even his villains. But when it comes to like storylines, he takes bits and pieces and takes it and makes it work for the big screen or little screen. He doesn't take full on comic books and make them in the movies. He doesn't do that. And that's why I never understand people's little complaint about that. Like, whatever. But you're not going to make everybody happy. So they try to uh, do this spell thing, right? And contain Amit back into the uh, her stone form. And Khonshu and Mark have this talk where he said, once I finish your job, release me. So... They go back and forth. They fight. Khonshu's losing, getting his tail whipped by Amit. And as they cast in the spell, Khonshu basically tells us, like, yeah, kill him. Do this. He's like, you know what? If you want to do it, you do it yourself. So then we end up back in the hospital. And, like, once again, I'm like, what's going on here? And then you have this scene where Steve falls out, wakes up in bed, strapped to the bed, right? I'm confused. <laughs> so and that's how the show ends. But there's an end credit scene. Now, when the end credit scene happens, Arthur Farrell's in the hospital or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's in the hospital in the wheelchair, kind of loony, loony Ben Jim type thing. He's off the rails and then somebody comes gets him knocks out the nurses the clerks and all this other stuff and puts him in like a white limo 
right? Puts him in, throws him in the limo, gets in the car, and when Arthur Farrell looks up, it's Kanshu in the suit. I think he looks cool. I, I'm sorry, he just looks cool. Kanshu look cool with a white suit. I like a suit. I'm sorry, I'm a suit brother. So he had the white suit on, looking smooth as I don't know what. But then that's when we get the reveal. Jake Lockley, the third personality, looking like the cab driver from the comics. And he shoots Arthur. So clearly they did everything the complete opposite. Steve Grant is more like a the Egyptian explorers type of person who's got the British accent. You got Mark Spector, that's the mercenary that becomes kind of, you know, Moon Knight. Him, him, his his personality and his persona, I guess, avatar is the actual Moon Knight costume. Which leaves a lot to be desired because then Stephen Grant's version of the Moon Knight is the Mr. Knight suit. So what's Jake Lockley's? Right? What's his what's his version of Moon Knight look like? Maybe it'd be the black and white suit. You know what I mean? So so we get the reveal of Jake Lockley at the end of the episode. And overall, this show, like I said, was trippy. <laughs> like, is the best way to put it. This show was trippy. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what's real. And I kind of like that twist about the show because it gives you like, it keeps you engaged, in my opinion, because it's like one thing with me when it comes to shows, something has to happen where it's like, hmm, I'm intrigued by that. Let me keep watching. Right. And in the first episode, you see him like taping up doors and talking to different personalities. And then you see another personality comes out out of nowhere. And then he's kind of attacking, being attacked by a jackal. Nobody else sees, but he sees it, and he's running for his life. Don't know realize what's going on. And then he talks to his other personality in the bathroom mirror. Yeah, stuff like that. Stuff that grabbed my attention. So, that's my review of Moon Knight. The, I don't know if it's a series finale or season one. we have to wait and see. But overall, I enjoyed this show. Now, ranking the Disney Plus shows. My favorite is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? All-time favorite, right? That's my all-time favorite. Loki would be number two. Uh, Moon Knight would be, you know, my third one. As far as beginning to end the enjoyment of watching them that's the way I look at them I would go WandaVision 4 Hawkeye will be the last and what if I don't really count because it's an animated show so I don't really count that one as much that's just me I don't really count that show because it's animated so I don't really count that as a show I have to watch but a lot of stuff in that happens in that show where it sets up a lot. So if you watch Doctor Strange, you'll see it's a lot that goes on. So that's my review. Hope you enjoyed this episode. See you guys next time.